0: Would you please join me for a word of prayer? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. May please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you guys ride bikes? Yeah, a lot. You don't ride bikes? You have a scooter? Do you ride anything? No? You're just kind of chilling? rollerblades that's solid. <laughs> <This bike. laughs> I know whose kid and grandkid this, it cracks me up. Um, but the bike's cool, huh? You like going uphill? Yeah? You like going downhill? You like ripping downhill? Yeah, it's a whole lot easier going downhill than it is uphill, right? Yeah. Well, I took a bike ride about a year ago And I'm not sure I could do that same ride today. I might absolutely have a heart attack or something, but we climbed up a hill and we climbed and climbed and climbed and climbed. It was about eight miles up and about eight miles back. And uh, when I get to the end of this slide, you're going to look out on your way down Chapman and you're going to go, Pastor Tim, that big preacher made it all the way up to that little thing up there. Yeah. Because you get in and you start pedaling. And you go 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 and you're tired and you stop and your legs burn and you stop and and then there's a point about maybe six miles up where you're 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 getting right to the top you're getting you can see it and 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 it's horrible Uh, you're you're just you think this is it it's six miles down we're going to be okay but you kind of keep churning my friend stopped my son stopped our other buddy stopped and they said just wait. Tim will make it. We'll be fine. They stopped. We caught our breath. We go. And then you get to the top of the hill and there's about 300 yards left. And the 300 yards are the worst of the whole trip. It's all this broken granite and decomposed this and decomposed that. And trucks have been up there smashing stuff. And uh, it was last year, so it was rainy and washed out. And and by the time you get to the top, you started, and it's about 60 degrees, you get to the top, it was 47, 48, and the wind is blowing, and it's cold, and it feels like your sweat is freezing on your back, and it just, and then you get to the top, right? Then you get to the top, and this is the top. And it took a lot of work to get there, but when you get to the top of this hill, on the top of Black Star Canyon, you can see the Inland Empire on one side. See all the way out to Corona and Norco, almost all the way out to the 15. It was a clear day. It's just gorgeous out there. And then you're so high, you can see the airplanes coming in to John Wayne Airport and the airplanes taking off. It was such a beautiful, clear day. But there's nothing like being on top of that mountain with people you know and you love. That's my mountain bike coach, my son, Justin who years ago was in second grade, and sang in church, and now guess what? He graduated from high school, and he graduated from college, and he's in a master's program at Chapman, and he has a job, and you know what else he has? A wife. How about that? Yeah. So you go from second grade, and it goes pretty quickly, you know? You go through those kind of doorways through your life, and then you're on top of a mountain with your with your dad. And as you go east on Chapman this morning, you look up at that ball. That's a Doppler radar ball. It's a whole lot bigger up close than it looks from here. And it would have been cool to stay there. It would have been neat if there would have been like a breakfast bar up there and you could have had a little <laughs> eggs and bacon or something. But all that's up there is a little bit of a ruin. Anybody else been up there on a Jeep or a mountain bike? Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah. But you. It, it's, it's desolate, kind of. And so you do your thing, you hang out with your friends, you talk about how tough you are and that you made it, and, you, and then you get on your bike and you shoot down. And it took not quite four hours to get up, and it took about 25 minutes just barreling down to, to do that. And that's where they remind me I'm built for downhill racing, man. Mass and mass and gravity and all that stuff works, works for me, but, but I want you to think about that I really want you second graders and your parents to think a little bit about going up a hill, maybe not in a bike, but in your life. What are those challenges in your life, raising kids and family that are before you right right now? Because the scripture from Mark's gospel is all about mountains and mountain tops. Moses was there in that conversation and Moses climbed this mountain. This is Mount Sinai. And the Lord said, Moses, you're going to bring the people of Egypt out, the people of Israel out of Egypt. We're going to go. We're going to do our thing. And then all of a sudden, the Lord said, Moses, get up to the top of Mount Sinai. I've got something to this is how it's going to work. So the Lord came down and Moses went up and the Lord gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He said, it's no, you're not going to be like the other people, you're not going to be like the Egyptians, you're not going to be like the crazy Americans coming. You're going to be the people of God. And this is what it looks like. I will be your God and you will be my people. And here's the Ten Commandments to kind of guard how you get along and and what it looks like. So they didn't drag Egyptian tradition and Egyptian religion and Egyptian law out and build an Egyptian culture. Rather, the Lord came down to Mount Sinai and said, Moses, this is what it's going to look like. And Moses spoke face to face with God. And when he came down, his face was glowing. And the people said, whoa, we better stop this whole golden calf bad thing from going on. It's not cool. The Lord came down and and now there's more, more going on. Moses represented God to the people and the people to God on that mountain. And to this day, it's a sacred, sacred mountain, a sacred place. And in our story, Moses is with the Lord Jesus and the prophet Elijah. Now, did you guys learn the prophet Elijah in school yet? Have you done that? So I can never tell whether Elijah was a big macho like inside linebacker for the Eagles or whether he was a wimp. There's just no telling. Because there was a point in Elijah's ministry where he took on the king and queen of the day. He made fun of the prophets of the court of the king and queen. He called down fire from heaven and fire from heaven came. And you would think he would stand up and say, I'm Elijah. Don't mess. And and yet he was tired and worn out from the fight that he had. And so he climbed to the top of this mountain and hid out from Ahab and Jezebel and he was sad. It was really hard for him. He said, I'm going up to this mountain to die. And God came down. And in Elijah's fatigue and fear, fear that he would be captured, fear that he would be killed, fear that he was the only one left, fear that there was going to be nothing left of the people of God. God came down and said, Elijah, everything that you prophesied to the people is going to come true. There's a Messiah and his name is Jesus and he's on the way. And you're going to be okay. I've got reinforcements coming in. I've got someone following you. I got this all figured out, so trust me. And then fired up from that, Elijah came and ran all the way to the next city, like 20 miles out. But God came down to a man in a fatigue time and visited him with something to eat, something to drink, and the power of God. And he did that on a mountain. And then there's this mountain where the story from our gospel takes place, where it's Moses and Elijah and Jesus and Peter, James and John. And they're hanging out and all of a sudden the lights get turned on. And they look up and they say, this is nuts. What is going on? And there's no accounting in scripture for what Elijah and Moses and Jesus are talking about. But I kind of wonder if they're getting Jesus pumped up for the, the, the climb to the next mountain that he had. I wonder if Elijah's saying, you know, I remember when I was bad and, and, and hurting and your father came down and, and helped me out, Jesus Or Moses said, yeah, I remember talking to your dad face-to-face up on Sinai. Jesus, your mission is worth it. You can do it. Let's go. You got this. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the Savior of the world. Jesus, you got this. You can do it. Climb to the top of the mountain. Do what you got to do. And the world and all of God's people will be sealed in God's grace and God's love. Climb the mountain, not with a mountain bike or a scooter or your rollerblades, but climb the mountain with a cross on your back and you'll do what your father has asked you to do. And then the voice of God comes down and says, this one, this is the son of God. This is my son who I love. Listen to him. And Jesus was inspired and equipped for the next mountain that he was to climb which on the site today is the, uh, this, this shrine, this Christian temple. And in that shrine is a hole. And in that hole went a cross. And on that cross went Jesus. And there he was lifted up and drew all mankind unto himself, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, God's man to climb the hill of Calvary To suffer and die for you and me. The transfiguration of our Lord reminds us of a couple things. One, that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. He was the one who comes to bring forgiveness, life and salvation to to you and me. He's the one who's not called to step down and and, and cruise and delegate responsibility. But Jesus is called to step up, stand in, be nailed on the cross, to suffer and die for you and me, and bring peace with God for you and me and all mankind. And the transfiguration gives Jesus a a taste of that glory before he's got to go down that big hill and up this monstrous hill. So that you and me have all the gifts of God. The forgiveness of our sins, connection to God through faith, and that we know God not as an angry dude, but as a God of love and compassion for each and every one of us. How many guys ride bikes? So I want want you to kind of see this a little bit. I'm going to talk while this runs. But I want you to think about the mountains that you have to climb and the challenges that are in all of our lives. For some of us, the challenges of our lives are the challenges of obedience, where God said, this is what you have to do. And we said, well, I'm going to do it my own way. God said, don't do this. and. We did this. God said, don't do that. And we participated. God said, this is the way it should be. And we said, yeah, I got another idea. For some of us, there's that challenge in our lives. And what's driven by that disobedience is a sense of, sense of guilt and estrangement from God. God said, this is how life works in that Ten Commandments. And we said, no, that's not, that's not how it's going to be for me. And maybe the hill that's challenging you is that hill of of of, of guilt. And you drag that guilt with you wherever you go. And it just seems like this insurmountable climb up an insurmountable hill. And maybe it's just flat out wearing you out. It's kind of the way it works at this time of year, right? We made all of our New Year's resolutions. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to lose more weight. If you put me on that bike today and said, Tim, you need to climb to the top of Black Star Canyon, I would look at you and laugh. I would get out my life insurance and make sure it was all paid up. Because that challenge for me physically, something I have done over the last couple months is knowing what I should do, I've done the opposite. And I think at this time of year, all of us have those sort of resolutions, those promises that we made ourselves, And we said, you know what, it's just not me, I'm not doing that. I, I got something else going on. Maybe that's the hill you climb. The other hill I think about is the responsibility you have to raise children and be a husband or a wife or a grandma and a grandpa. And that's a ton of responsibility. It's a challenge to get up every day. It's a challenge to to look at what it costs to live in Orange County as as an adult family and say, well, after the house payment, there's $7 that we got to live on. And the weight of that and the idea that we somehow have to make it on our own by ourselves to be able to climb that mountain of economic independence or whatever. And then if you fall down or you fall back off that mountain, it's like a free fall into oblivion. Where do I go and what do I do? For some people, the issue might be more like that of Elijah. where just flat out out of gas. Where the bike is sitting at the bottom of the mountain or at the, top of, at the, the bottom of a big climb and you say, I'm just out of gas. I'm just done. I, I can't do this anymore. The energy it takes to put into this relationship is killing me. I'm tired of all the demands on my life, all of the things that seem to be driving me, and the Lord is just kind of this extraneous thing that I can punch in and punch out, and the preacher says that the power of God has got a marvelous way of integrating my life, but I'm so twisted in my time, and I'm so tired, and I'm so worn out, and I just wish God would come down like he did for Elijah and bring me a sense of equilibrium or snap his fingers and bless me with an opportunity to see his spirit working to give me a little bit more energy because I feel like I can't do it anymore. And so God comes down. God comes down into this space and into this time, God comes down to the challenges and the mountains of your life. God comes down and he doesn't come down to 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 beat you up and say, well, I'm glad you feel guilty for not doing all this stuff. Rather, he says the pain that you feel and the tension in your heart is. I'm here to take that away. And he takes our eyes and moves us from the challenge to the cross and reminds us that he is with us in the big, big challenges of life. That his spirit speaks to our heart through that word and delivers a sense of equilibrium and strength that allows us to push forward in the challenges and in the rocky places of life. And he puts us in a community called a church because no one can do this alone. It's body of Christ's stuff. And he reminds us that he comes to refresh and renew us by his love and by his grace. And that's what Lent is all about. This Wednesday, we have Ash Wednesday going on and there's lots going on. Each one of these beautiful children will have a black cross put on their head as a reminder that they belong to Jesus Christ. And in the frailty of their bodies, yet is the strength of God residing inside of them. Maybe there's something in your life this Lent you need to leave behind, a sin a feeling, a sick relationship, and you would just say, i got to leave this here for the next six weeks, I know, huh? (laughs) I'm going to leave that here for the next six weeks. Or maybe there's something you need to pick up, a discipline to add to your life something that brings you a sense of renewal and peace, something that reminds you that in the challenges of your life, you're connected to something infinitely bigger than here and now. I'm not sure what your challenges are. But I know that the Lord is with you and with all of us as we move through them. And the glory and the power of God is ours. And the power of God to renew a heart and a life. That's what we hold in faith. Amen.